Starting a brand new series today called The Power Gap. And um, I want to go ahead and give you a warning that this, this series is going to go deep. It's going to get to uh, what, what people would call beneath the surface uh, of, of spirituality and life. And, um, but I believe wholeheartedly, I believe that God has his hand on this house God has his hand on this people, and I believe that God is going to use this series and some of the, the things that we discussed to radically change our lives and our families, our marriages, our households, and our futures, uh, and I, I'm excited to see what God does. But I'll ask you a question. Do you ever, now this is, don't, you don't have to raise your hand if you don't want to, you don't have to, uh, this isn't admitting to having some severe secret addiction, sin in our lives, this isn't. This isn't admitting to, to having some kind of heinous secret in our life or anything like that. But do you, do you find yourself, even as a believer, even as somebody that's followed Jesus for a long time, do you find yourself uh, entering into seasons or entering into battles or entering uh, into opposition or into temptation? And not that you don't want to, but that in the moment you can't seem to overcome the battle. And you give in to sin or you give in to the driver, you give in to the idol. And, and, and it, it, it's not something that would say just dominating your life, but that you continually come up against an opposition, continually come up against temptation, and you wind up losing the battle rather than winning it. Is that anybody in the room? So we have about 17 people who don't have a problem with lying. And then the red, can I ask just one more time? <laughs> yeah. Does anybody continually find themselves facing opposition and losing spiritually? Okay. But the Bible says that you shouldn't. You ever thought about that? And say, I, I find myself where the disciples were a lot of times. Even as, a, even as a preacher, even as a, as a pastor, as a leader, uh, as a professional Christian, <laughs> like this is my entire life's calling and purpose. Everything about my life is about this. And I still find myself uh, after the crowd dissipates, uh, I walk into the house alone with Jesus and I, I'm, why couldn't I overcome? Why couldn't I drive it out. Why couldn't I do it? Why couldn't I put it down? Walk into a room. Why did I just lose my temper and scream at my wife? Why did I just make this stupid and foolish decision for sinful fleshly reasons? Why, why did I just manipulate this situation? Why did I get involved in this, this, this division? Why, why did I, why, why did I in the moment, just lie and deceive and gossip. Why, why, why would I get alone? And I'm just like, why? Why did I, I let the pride just become so strong again? Like, where did that come from? Like, wh why? Now, I don't have all of those issues. I was using some of your issues too. <laughs> The new people were like, all right, this pastor's uh, got some issues. I think, I think we can still make it down to the other where the, where the perfect pastor is. 
When you find him, you tell me. I'm going to start going to that church. <laughs> but you ever, you, ever, you ever just, you get in those seasons, you get in those times, you, and you might not even realize you're in a battle until you've lost it. You might not realize your marriage is under attack until you've lost it. The reality of it is, is that we face opposition in life. We face opposition. We face the power of sin itself. We face our, our nature. We face our flesh. We, 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 we face these things. We, we, we face them. And, and more often than not, when we come up against a difficult, difficult battle, many times we walk away asking Jesus, why could we not drive it out? Jesus took Peter and some of the disciples up on the mountain, and they had this epic, crazy moment with God. Uh, and then on the way back down, he found some of the other disciples he left behind, uh, the B squad, um, arguing with the Pharisees and, and this other boy. And he says, well, why are you arguing? And the father said, well, I've, I have my son and my son has, uh, since a child, he, he's been overcome, he's been defeated, he's been possessed, he's been controlled under the control of this evil spirit. Uh, and it's thrown him to the fire and it's done all these horrible things. And I brought him to your disciples to get them to cast him out and they could not do it. And Jesus has a less than positive response to this. And then there's some crazy powerful things that are said and done. And it's a different message for a different day. Uh, but eventually he gets down to it and he drives out the evil spirit, and, and then he raises the boy up, and he's fine, and the crowd disperses, and they go in, and then the B team, don't, and don't act like the A team was up on the mountain, and they could have done it, because Peter was up on the mountain getting humbled by God himself. All right, if you ever go back and read that story, I mean, God literally was like, shut up, Peter. I'm trying to talk to Jesus. Can you just shh? And Jesus is going, I knew I shouldn't have brought them up. So I don't, I don't want you to get confused. Like they were going through different struggles. So we'll just say team A, team B, but not, not first and second. The disciples walk in and Peter's sitting over in the corner in shame going, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. And the rest of the disciples were like, why could we not overcome? Why could we not drive this out? And then Jesus makes a statement. He says, there are, there are some kinds, there is this kind that can only come out or cannot be driven out, cannot be overcome by anything but prayer. And this is the reality, and I, and I, and I don't want to move too fast in this because I don't want you to miss the reality of what is being said in, in this moment. Jesus says there, there are some things in life, there are some temptations, there are some uh, uh, opposition and I, I want you guys to understand something. I know that we, we modernize the concept of, of spiritual opposition or the devil or the enemy and everything, but I, I want you to understand the original name of, of Satan was Satan, and it literally means the opposer. And, and I know that it's not a popular thing, but there is a reality, there is a, 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 a spiritual darkness, a force of spiritual darkness that does exist uh, in this world. And ultimately, uh, it is in opposition to God. It's in opposition to God's will. It's in opposition to God's purpose. It's in opposition to God's people. It's in opposition to you. It's in opposition to your family. It's in opposition to your marriage. It's in opposition to your kids. Uh, and he wants to steal from you, and he wants to kill you, and he wants to destroy you. Uh, and when we get a few descriptions of uh, that force, that, that, that reality, that opposition, uh, the description usually goes something like this. He is a, a roaring lion roaming the earth looking for someone to devour. There is an opposition in this life that comes against us. 
And the reality of it is, is that there, there are opposition. There is opposition that is stronger than us, that is more powerful than us, that cannot be overcome, that cannot be dealt with, that cannot, we cannot find victory over it at all. There's nothing that we can do to overcome the opposition, certain aspects of this opposition, certain levels of this opposition, this enemy, the concept of sin in our own flesh and our own nature, and all that is wrapped up in the enemy and the concept of the enemy, all of it that is wrapped up in that there gets a level to where there is nothing within us and there's nothing that is on earth that we can overcome uh, this opposition with, period, except for prayer. And so they ask the question, the question that I, that I ask many times, a question that you ask many times, maybe the question you should be asking more often uh, is why couldn't I? Why couldn't we? Why couldn't I drive it out? Why couldn't we drive it out? Why couldn't I put it down? Why couldn't I walk away? Why couldn't I operate in humility instead of pride? Why couldn't I just live with truth instead of lies? Why couldn't I uh, just be peaceful instead of causing division? Why couldn't I uh, operate out of peace and gentleness rather than anger and frustration? Why couldn't I? And you just go down the line. Why couldn't I overcome? Why couldn't we overcome? And Jesus answers, there's just a certain level of opposition that cannot be overcome apart from prayer. Now, there is a problem with that statement. Because if it was me, and, and I'm sitting there, and I'm facing a battle, or I'm facing an enemy, or I'm facing a certain temptation, or I'm facing a certain idol in my heart, or I'm facing a, a certain uh, battle or thing in my life, and Jesus says there are some things that just cannot be overcome, cannot be overtaken, cannot, be, uh, cannot have victory, uh, that you will always face defeat in life from the certain level of opposition outside of prayer, the first thing I want to do is I want to go back and I want to look at the way that Jesus prayed or the, what Jesus did so that I could learn to pray like that and overcome in the moment too. The problem is, is that Jesus never actually one time prayed in this situation at all. I want you to go back. I want you to read how Jesus, how Jesus handled this. Mark 9, 25. When Jesus saw that a crowd was rapidly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit saying to it, you deaf and mute spirit, I command you come out of him and do not enter him again. So I, I want you to track what's happening in this moment. They try to battle this opposition. They try to drive out this, uh, this thing to gain victory in this situation. And they cannot do it. Jesus comes and does it. And when they ask him, why could we not do it? His response is, there is some kinds that cannot be driven out or that cannot be handled, that cannot have victory outside of anything but prayer. And now when they're sitting there rethinking in their minds... And as we go back and we look, the reality of it was, was that Jesus never one time prayed at all in this situation. He just looked down to the, to, to the demon, to the evil spirit, to the opposition, and he rebuked it and he commanded it out and it left. And there was a situation, he rose it up and the crowd dispersed and they walked away. Jesus didn't pray on the way in. Jesus didn't pray in the moment and he didn't pray after. Jesus never prayed one time. That's the reality of the situation. Jesus never prayed. And the truth is, if you go back and you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you look at all of the crazy, most powerful moments of Jesus, the miracles, the vast majority of them, Jesus never, ever once prayed. Not in the moment. Very few times does he even uh, uh, seem like he's praying. 
The one time that he is for sure without doubt praying uh, when he raises Lazarus from the dead in the middle of the prayer, he says, the only reason I'm praying is to benefit those who are watching so that they know that the power comes from God. So I want you to understand this. Jesus, the only reason Jesus even prayed then was for their benefit. The reality of what Jesus was saying was, I don't actually have to pray or need to pray right now in the moment. I could just raise him from the dead, but I am going to look to heaven. I'm going to look to the Father, and I'm going to pray for their benefit. Now, this poses a problem because this changes the picture. It changes the reality. What it, what it begins to lay the groundwork is, is that, that, that in the moment, Jesus had a power that the disciples lacked. And when the disciples said, why could we not do it? Why could we not overcome? Why could we not drive it out? Why could we not have victory? Jesus answered prayer, but he never once prayed. He was already operating in a power. So what prayer was he talking about? Huh? Wake up. What prayer was he talking about? What, 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 if it wasn't in the moment, if it wasn't in the situation, if it wasn't when the opposition showed up, if it wasn't when the enemy came over the hill, if it wasn't when you found yourself on the battlefield, when was it? The reality of it is, and I want you to really hear me, I'm going to get practical for a second. The reality of it is in the modern American church, that they usually do not pray or find themselves calling out to God or find themselves crying out until they are neck deep in the middle of the battle and are losing it before they begin to cry out and pray to God. The reality of it is, is that we spend months, months, years after years digging deep holes for our lives and our families and our marriages and ourselves. And then when we get down so low, we can no longer get out. That's when we begin to pray and to cry out to God. Or we go through our life living on the mountain, shouting, happy, being good, all this other stuff. And then we find ourselves all of a sudden, the darkness sets in, the battle sets in, the enemy's coming over the hill, and we find ourselves powerless and weaponless. And then after we're already in the middle of losing to the loser, I might add, that is when we begin to cry out. We have this strategy and this concept I call present prayer for the present problem. This is a human strategy, a religious strategy, a modern American church strategy, but this is not a biblical strategy. This is not Jesus' strategy, and this is definitely not what Jesus is trying to teach them, that you have a present prayer for the present problem, that when you find yourself in the middle of the battle, you need to start crying out to God. The reality of it was when Jesus found himself in the battles, he very rarely prayed. He already had the power in the moment to overcome the victory. Victory. Jesus was showing up with a gun with bullets in it, and the disciples were showing up with a gun that didn't have any bullets. Jesus already had the power. He was walking in it, living in it, in the moment. And the disciples didn't have anything. And Jesus said there's some kind, there's certain opposition, there's certain temptations, there's certain levels of, of opposition in this life that you cannot overcome without prayer, but it's not present prayer for the present problem. Jesus was talking about a different type of prayer. Jesus was talking about a lifestyle of prayer. Jesus was talking about a type of prayer that has eluded 
the vast majority of modern American Christians. He's talking about, he's talking about a type of prayer that just doesn't seem to exist in, in, in our families, even church families and in our lives. He's talking about a type of prayer that, that just doesn't seem to fit the mold of modern culture. He's talking about a type of prayer that, that, that doesn't seem to be popular, doesn't seem to be talked about. He's talking about a type of prayer that brings power into our lives. Jesus is talking about a private prayer life. Not just a private prayer life, but a private prior prayer life. Prior to facing the culture. Prior to getting into the argument with your husband and your wife. Prior to the temptation. Prior to the battle private prayer and prior prayer. See, they asked the question, why did we not have public and present power? And Jesus answered, you did not have public and present power because you do not have in your life private and prior prayer. See, I told you we were going to get deep. We're going to go to a place that a lot of people don't go. A lot of people don't want to talk about. But we're going to go to that place, that gap that stands between you and the power of heaven that rested on Jesus so much. If you're not careful, you will think that, that it's Jesus. It's just Jesus. Jesus can just do that. There, that it's Jesus. How could we ever do what Jesus could do except that Jesus said that you will do these things and even greater things than I. And that if you really dig deep into his response uh, to this moment, he said, oh, believing, oh, unbelieving generation. He said, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? How long must I be with you? How long must I be present in here to do the things that I've called you to do? There is an expectation that we walk in the power of heaven. There's an expectation that we not just have the, the live in the spirit, but that we walk in the power of the spirit. That's why something that uh, God just gripped me the other week, listening to one of Terry's messages. One of the first things that she said as she was opening up and going in, she talked about it and the Holy Spirit just hit me so strong. Said that when Jesus, at the beginning of his ministry, when he went into the desert, he went in full of the Holy Spirit. But when he walked out, he walked out in the power of the Holy Spirit. And they're two different things. See, there's a lot of people in the room that I believe you're genuine followers of Jesus Christ and you are full of the Holy Spirit of God, but you have never walked in the power of the Spirit of God. And at the end of the day, that's really what the disciples are asking, that they're starting to notice that there is this gap, there's this power gap between their life and the life that they, they know that they can live, that they know that they can walk. There's a difference in being filled with the Spirit of God and then walking in the power of the Spirit of God. There is a gap between those two things. And Jesus is saying somehow, some way, that gap is closed and filled in by prayer and prayer alone. 
The reality of it is, and I, and I need you to hear me, and I need you to take this in, and you don't have to, to agree with me, you don't have to believe me, but I need you to not have any doubt in your mind, a statement that I am making. And what I am saying to you is that if you do not have any prayer in your life, you do not have any power in your life. What I'm saying to you is, is that you can fight psychologically and you can fight philosophically and you can go to counseling and, and you can read self-help books and you can do a ton of things. But if you are not praying for your family, praying for your marriage, praying for your kids, you are not really fighting for your marriage, fighting for your family or fighting for your kids. What I'm saying to you is, is that, that you can sit back and you can think all day long and talk all day long and you can, you can do a myriad of different really good Christian things. But the reality of it is, is that when you come up to face the actual opposition, you will keep tasting defeat day in and day out. It's because you lack the power, the power that can only come from prayer. And see, the reality of it is, is that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. He is the Messiah. He is the anointed one. He was God. He was with God in the beginning. He was God and he'll always be God. There's, there's so much theological power uh, to who Jesus Christ was, but I'm going to read to you a few scriptures and I want you to ask yourself if what I'm about to read you is true about Jesus's life, how on earth do you believe that you could walk through this life without having this pattern in your life? So this is about Jesus right here, starting with Matthew 14, 23. After he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. That's it. That's it. That's all, that's all it says. For no reason, I might add. Except to tell you, Jesus went up on the mountainside to pray all night, alone. Mark 6, 46. After bidding them farewell, he left for the mountain to pray. Luke 6, 12, it was at this time that he went off to the mountain to pray and he spent the whole night in prayer to God. Mark 1, 35, in the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. Luke 5, 16, but Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. Luke 9, 18, and it happened that while he was praying alone, Matthew 26, 36, then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, you sit here while I go over there and pray. The reality of it was, and I need you to hear me, if you're a believer, I need you to super listen to what I'm about to tell you. The reality of it was that Jesus started his ministry in prayer Jesus consistently walked and lived in prayer, consistently disappeared from the crowds, consistently sent the people away, consistently went up onto the mountain or down into the gardens to pray. He started it in prayer, and he, at the very moment they arrested him, he was in the middle of praying alone. Jesus had this significant, private, prior prayer life. And when the disciples asked, why could we not? Why could we not overcome the opposition? Jesus' response was, there is a certain level of opposition that can only be overcome by prayer. And he wasn't talking about prayer in the moment. He was talking about private, prior prayer. It's this type of prayer 
that turns marriages around. It's this type of prayer that clothes you with power to overcome the secret sins that have dominated you your entire life. It's this type of prayer that, that literally withholds uh, and holds back the power of sin that still shows up in your life and in your flesh and in your nature. It's a type of prayer that will take an a, a, a aggressive uh, anger, frustration, pride, and turn it into humility and gentleness and peace and unity. It's a type of prayer uh, that I believe literally will hold back the gates of hell in this life. It's the type of prayer that makes a church strong, that, that turns a religious building into a movement of God. I, I need you to understand the reality of what I'm talking to you about. This is a type of prayer when you, you go into a room alone and you begin to pray. It's this type of prayer that brings revival into your life, that brings revival into your marriage and into your home and into your family and into the church and into the community. It's this type of prayer that changes the world around us. The reason you lose oppositional battles constantly in life, the reason why idols seem to rise up no matter how many times you try to knock them down, the reason why you can't seem to get victory in certain areas of your life, the reason why no matter how hard you try or how many books you read or how much counseling you get, your marriage just keeps seem to fading farther and farther and farther back is because you are not walking in the power that it takes to overcome the opposition. And Jesus says that this type of power only exists and only comes comes from private prior prayer in your life. If you want power, you need prayer. If you don't have prayer, you don't have power. And I don't care what your denominational background is. I don't care how much you think you know the Bible. I don't care how much it rubs you the wrong way. I need you to understand you are living a fictitious illusion of victory if you do not have prayer in your life, period, period. I need you to understand that, that when you talk about things like salvation and you talk about things like sanctification and you talk about things like holiness and you talk about things like becoming humble and you talk about things like kids getting saved and revival taking place and people giving away uh, computers to stop the pornography addiction, when you start talking about the real chains of life being broken and real salvation, you have entered into a realm that no human being on the power or in the planet has the power to actually do. Do you see the baptism videos that we show you? Do you know that our greatest problem right now is we can't figure out how to show them all to you fast enough because there are so many people giving their lives to Christ for the first time. We had to quit doing testimony videos because there were so many people telling us about the way that God is moving in their life. These are things that cannot be done by the means of human power. These are things that can only be done from a power that exists only in heaven. Outside of the believer who walks in the power of the Spirit. See, Jesus begins to tell you a, a truth. He's beginning to open up a, a reality to you. The disciples asked Jesus how to pray. 
And there's a lot that he says and does, but the one thing that has always rocked my world, changed my life when I was a teenager was Matthew 6, 6. And he goes, but when you pray, go into your room and close the door and pray to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I could do a year-long series on this one or two statements. But I need you to understand that Jesus is saying something here that will change your life if you get it and put it into your life. I need you to understand that what Jesus is talking about here, he says, now when you pray, now I, I, I need you to understand that this is not praying while you're doing something else. This isn't praying while you're working. It's good, and you need to do that. You need to pray at all times, Paul says. I get that. This is a different type of prayer. It's not praying while you're riding down the road, thinking about your day and putting makeup on. This is a different type of prayer. Right? This isn't the type of prayer you say as a family before you eat dinner. This isn't the prayer you say when you, you're together about to start a Bible study. This isn't that type of prayer. That prayer, is, that's powerful. All right, but this prayer, this is a different type of prayer. This is, this is a prayer where it is just you. Nobody else is there except for just you. And it's an intentionality, and you're, it's, a, it's an intentional reality that you're creating. When you walk into a room and you close the door, I need you to understand this, that this is the greatest act of faith that a human being can ever have, to walk into a room and close the door with the sole purpose of communicating with the creator of the universe whom you have never seen. There is no, you're insane. You're crazy. You're outside your mind. You're living outside of practical reality to walk into a room and close the door with the, with the intentional desire and design to open your mouth and believe that the creator of the universe is there with you. But that is exactly what prayer is. That's exactly why it's one of the greatest acts of faith a human being can do. And when you walk in with the intentionality of closing the door behind you, Jesus says, then pray to your Father who is in secret, your Father who is unseen. And he says, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward. Now, I need you to catch this with me. Now, when you walk into a room and you close the door behind you and you pray to your Father, you're speaking. You're talking, maybe whispering. It may be so silent, it's difficult to hear, but praying is a, it's a spoken thing. It's an audible thing. It's out there. You're, you're putting it out there. And what you would expect and what I would expect and what I think would be natural would be that when you walk into a room and you pray to your Father who is in heaven, your Father who is unseen, your Father who is in secret, what would be natural would be when your Father hears what is said, He rewards. But that's not what He says in he goes, when your father sees what is done in secret, he will reward. See, I want, you to, I want you to understand this reality that it's not so important what you're praying in the moment compared to the reality of God waiting and watching to see if you will walk in a room and close the door and pray. If you want to go a level deeper, this power and this, and you may not get it and you may not feel it and you may walk out of here and that's between you and God, but the power of this is that Jesus is saying something here 
He says you walk into a room, you close the door, you pray to your Father who is unseen, your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees with his eyes what is done in secret will reward. And then when he tells you what to pray, the first thing he says, pray, our Father who is where? In heaven. I need you to understand the reality of what Jesus is saying to you. He said there is a gap between our reality and heaven, and that gap is filled with prayer. And when you walk into a door, you close the door to the world outside and you open up a door to heaven. And the presence and the power of the ancient of days, Yahweh, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, the presence of the world, the presence of the creator of the world steps down into the room when you close the door behind you and you begin to pray to your Father who is in heaven. It's the power that comes from heaven. There is a gap there between your life. There's a gap between your marriage. There's a gap between your family. There's a gap in who you are in heaven. And he says, if you will walk into a room and you will close the door behind you, your Father who is in heaven will fill that gap with the power and the presence of himself. The reward has nothing to do with what you're praying about. The reward is that the creator of the universe levies himself down and the presence and the power of heaven rests on your life. And when you get up and you walk out of that room, you're no longer just filled with the spirit. You're walking in the power of the spirit and you will have the power to overthrow anything that comes your way. I need you to understand there is a deep reality here a deep spiritual reality here and you will just be playing religion until prayer like this gets in your life i'm telling you right now there's some of you you're too religious to go to church here too long you're too caught up in too many rules. You're too caught up in too many musts. You're too caught up in the image of being a Christian rather than walking in the reality of the Christ who died for you. What I'm telling you this morning is that if you want real power, not to create an image of something, but to actually walk in the reality of it, you will need prayer. I heard a man say this one time. He's an old, old man dead now long and gone but he made a, he made a statement that just rocked my world and the longer i walk with god the more true i see it become he said i'm telling you something a sinning man cannot pray and a praying man will not sin he said because there and i'm telling you as god is my witness without confessing the fullness of myself it doesn't take weeks or months if i go a day or so without walking into a room and closing the door Dude, sin comes back like that. I'm telling you. I'm just telling you. But see, 99% of the time, before I do anything in my life, I walk into this very room. I close those doors. I lock them. I turn on music and I begin to pray to my Father who is in heaven. I do that. Our leaders do that. Our elders do that. Our teachers do that. And that's why there is a power here. That's why people walk into the room. And they may not ever remember the message. They may not remember the songs we sing, but they leave saved by the presence and the blood of Jesus Christ because there's a power that exists here. You need to find yourself today, tomorrow, pushing away the world walking into a room, 
closing the door behind you and engaging, communicating, and praying to your Father who is in heaven. And I promise you, He is in that secret place and He is waiting on you. He's waiting to clothe you with power. He's waiting to give you the power of His presence. I promise you, you will not be let down. You have absolutely nothing to lose and everything to gain by walking into a room and closing the door behind you and praying to your Father who is in secret because He will see what is done in secret and He will reward you. If you guys will stand.